This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Where you need to sign up for that news feed, go to zupans.com and sign up for it. They send you the specials every week, and also you always get something free. Right now, if you're signed up, and I don't know when you're listening to this, but for instance, when we're recording, if you're signed up this week, you would get some free tulips. Oh, nice. To take home and... You know, that makes sense. Makes everybody happy. Give them to your love of your life and they'll be like, it's so considerate of you. It's like, no Zupans was so considerate. <laughs> Last we, year, I did this, Chris. Uh, fresh flowers at Zupans is the way to go. I ordered online, was able to have them delivered to my wife at work. It was so easy to do. So Valentine's Day, less than a month away now. Order online, as you mentioned, Zupans.com, where you can also sign up for that news feed. Yes. And if you walk into the store, they're always beautiful, too. Mm -hmm. You'll also see right now it's citrus season in full swing. The sumo mandarins are here. And what I didn't know, those were named because the little knot on the top of the, uh, on the, top of the I orange. I didn't put that together. It's the, 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 the man bun. bun. Yeah, the man bun. Yeah. So, uh, and they're delicious. So we're, we're encouraging you to go down and get a little bite of citrus. If, you, right if you walk into the stores right into where the uh, produce the departments are, they're right in front of you. At the Burnside location, I was just in there the other day. Well, bam. And they're beautiful and colorful. Oh, they're, they are so beautiful. Also, don't forget, Cellar Z regional dinners always taking place in uh, February, Piedmont. And then move to another region of Italy in Veneto in March. And so also, I just wanted to mention um, one of the nice things about Italy that we don't have here in Portland is swordfish. Right. So I love going into Zupans, and they always have swordfish steaks available, and they're delicious. Last time they were, the deal was so good I asked him to pack me up four, mm -hmm. and he said, do you want two of these separately and vacuum-packed so you can put them right in the freezer? Yes. Oh, wow. That he, was He great. knew what you were thinking. Yeah. Well, yeah. He, I didn't even ask for it, and now I know they do that. Yeah. So when there's a good deal, it's nice to get a little extra product. It's Zupan's, three locations. Burnside, McAdam, and Lake Grove, and of course, always, Zupan's.com. once again for Right at the Fork and a classic edition of Right at the Fork with your host, Chris Angelus from and Portland Food Adventures. And you're Court Johnson yeah. from the radio. From Portland's radio. <laughs> yeah. Tune into any radio station, you will hear Court. Well, there's a guarantee on two radio stations at night, seven o'clock, I'll be on one of them. Okay. On so two of them, actually. That's Kink? Kink and KXL. Yeah. And Kink is the one that I, that I, when I moved here, that's what I listened to yeah. religiously. 50 years, celebrating 50 years. Wow, as a station. Herit Herit they call that a heritage they radio do. station. It's, in fact, it was it was Portland's first FM station to play music. Wow, and so. it was was it K and K then? It, oh yeah, it hasn't that changed. That's pretty progressive. Oh yeah, back fifty years ago. I'm oh, not yeah. even going to do the math as to when that was, but that would be 1968. 1968. Did the math pretty quickly. No, those those even numbers makes it a little easy. Yeah, especially fifty yeah. is an easy one. So anyway. Um, speaking of the past, mm -hmm. we uh, our classic episodes are bringing back the are some of our favorite episodes from you know, we're in year five now. Yeah. So we've got a, a nice library to choose from when we go back to earlier episodes, and uh, it's usually you and I agree on some of our favorites. Yeah. And this is one definitely. In fact, this is one that uh, still on our SoundCloud stream. It's uh, listened to fairly frequently. Yeah, it's well, typically up there. And I'm not. I'm going to say we stream on SoundCloud, but yeah. there are other places to find it. And everywhere, yeah. uh, even Libsyn, which gives us the the counts from iTunes and all that stuff, always one of the most listened to episodes. And it also is because they put it right. They, on, they, they put it on their website it on the Voodoo Donut website. So anybody who's ever on this podcast, embed it on your website. It yeah. gets. We won't complain. Uh, yeah, it gets. I mean, I, there was a point that they were getting a thousand listens a month just because oh, yeah. it was embedded on the website. Mm -hmm. So that's that's a lot. If we could get every one of our guests to do that, yeah, wow, that would be great. It would be great. Our guest today is uh, he's a I, I I dare say he's a Portland legend. Uh, he's he's the one of the duo owners of Voodoo Donuts, Trace Shannon. And this guy is a, is a truly a character 
but I think this conversation, I think, opened up a lot of a lot of kind of went behind the scenes of what voodoo was all about, how they think voodoo is, right, and, and what it means. And he was very forthright in realizing, you know, there are a lot of people that are down on voodoo because it's it's not some of our artists. It it is artisan, but it it's just it's become a tourist destination. Yeah. So that automatically comes with it. Yeah. Comes with uh, some baggage with it. Mm-hmm. But at a certain point during this interview, he's describing the uh, the kind of what they did to learn how to make donuts, a trip to California. And it, it all, I, seriously, it felt like it should have been a movie. Mm-hmm. Somebody should make a movie about these first few days, weeks of how voodoo got its start. These guys going down to Southern California, meeting with some Jewish gentlemen, learning how to make crappy donuts. His words, not ours. <laughs> And then going around Hollywood and handing them out to people like Brad Pitt. It's nuts. Yeah. And it happened. And now from that, uh, you can be anywhere. I've been in Austin, Texas in the airport and seen people walking around with voodoo donut Mm -hmm. boxes. Yeah. So um, they become pretty well known. And uh, one could argue one way or the other, but uh, we have been kind of become known as a, a city of donuts yeah uh, among so. other things right. but i have to i would have to imagine that the foundation would be right there at the door of voodoo donuts so tress was wonderful to have on the show and uh we're glad to bring it back to, to the forefront yep. for people because and by the way it's not the only episode back in the archives we've got over what over 150 interviews now and, we're close to it yeah and and then on top of that what well, we should let people know and we never do um rarely do we have gary the foodie updates at the the last monday of every month mm-hmm. we talk about some of the newer spots in portland where to hang out he's also got some updates if you're traveling to san francisco um and um and we've got seattle Austin, if you're going to those cities, look for our updates. Usually out on a Monday sometime in the month. That's right. Somebody pointed out that people are so scared of the S because my last name being Shannon. So when you introduce yourself as Trace Shannon, it sounds like Trace Shannon. So everybody's like, Trey. But it kind of keeps, it keeps a lot of people at bay. Because it's like, oh, I'm dear friends with Trey. And that's like, eh, no. no, you're, you're not. You're just not. <laughs> but that's okay. Well, I've, ha- I've had that for years with my last name and the people pronouncing it Angelus and all that. You kind of right. know. Right. Why, can't, why can't you guys have regular names like Johnson? Right. I mean, come on. Yeah. But, but, court. Know, starts with court. Yeah, which court's is, pretty. Comes from mm-hmm. Courtney. So, oh, well, there yeah. you go. I think the only, yeah, Bud Court from Harold and Maude. Is yeah, 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 everybody brings that up. Yeah, I bet. There you go. Well, I've got a city, and they don't, I don't know a lot of people who pronounce it Los Angeles. Right. So, right. Uh, this is because there's a U and an E. Yeah, yeah. Yours, is anyway, the, this, yours is the Italian this spelling, is so right? Exciting, no, actually, right? mine is the Greek. Yours is the Greek. And I don't know, my family, we don't know anybody. So it's called Greek, the name in the road. But the, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah and someone's going to correct me here, but the U generally means Greek in any, in the, as preceding the S. Oh, okay. So. That's that deal, but well, there not, you go. Not to get well, now that, that now that we got that figured out, and we I got another one with the S. I was leaving this morning, and my son said, "So, who's on the podcast today? Who are you? Who are you recording?" And I said, uh, "Trey got yeah. it wrong." Then from Voodoo Donuts, donuts. <laughs> right, and, right, right. And he said, oh, "No, no, no. Guess what? It's not donuts." Oh, your kid corrected you. Yes. I love that. Yeah. So, so, uh, and, so here's the rule when when we're talking about Trace. It's add an S for the, his name, <laughs> drop the S for the name of the of Voodoo Donut. Right. Did you ever have a discussion as to whether that should be? Oh, uh, big time. I mean, the, mostly. I mean, this. I don't know if we're recording now. We yep. can pick oh, this yeah. up. Been, this is been, huge. Like we've been going from the get go. Cat Daddy and I, uh, when we started and talked about this, we. Um, we're very, very adamant about spelling donut correctly, D-O-U-G-H-N-U-T, and try to bring back the correct spelling the original of donut. spelling, yeah. Because donut, I still, uh, my theory of why it went to donut is maybe there was a neon shortage during World War II or something. <laughs> sure. Because that's really when, like, That's when donuts, the change happened. A lot of stuff happened. I mean, donuts were very popular right after World War II, and so right. maybe there was some sort, I mean, that's not a bad I theory. Tell, I, I got the answer right now. You don't have to look it up. I know exactly where it came okay. from. Dunkin' Donuts. Dunkin That's how Donuts, they spell yeah. it. Well, they, and they're so big. And they screwed it all up for everybody. Yeah. Because they're made of dough, not do. <laughs> it's very much. Well, thankfully. Yeah. Although and then, you, and you, then may the have, S, you may have experimented 
somewhere along the way. Not with, with the spelling, beer. but yeah, you know, we've we've <laughs> certainly got enough. Uh, got a you know, couple of bad customers you want to. We've had some people for sure, but no, I think in general, no, we've never experienced with a a, uh, a fecal donut. What so, so I guess that's the segue, and I'm sorry we even brought that. No, that's okay. Up. But donuts without without the s was always a big big deal too, for sure. But the spelling but donut was, correctly was even more so. And that was a discussion. So oh, big time. Whether you had s or not, um, interesting. And it's done really well. Uh, well, the the company. Has oh, thank done really you. Yeah, well. yeah, thank you. I think very much. it would have probably done pretty well with the s. I don't think it, it, that's been the name. That was the make or break. Yeah, you know, you never know. I do feel like the spelling of donut correctly, I think slowly but surely the press and people, you kind of see, at least in Portland, the spelling of donut, like with the press, where it used to never be that way. And I think now after 13 years that they slowly have kind of come around. Maybe that's just me, but I'm very, very, like, I I keep an eye on that kind of stuff. To me, me, though, that's kind of, to me, that's part of, I think, your success that I've seen is, is like, it's attention to detail everywhere, not just in in what you're making, like, what people are eating, but actually down to the name, whether there's an S and whether donut is spelled properly. Well, I I would hope so. I I, I always, I've never thought of myself as the most organized detail person in, in the land, but, um... I've got a great business partner. He has a little better eye for that. As we always, Cat Daddy's my business partner, Kenneth Boxen, and I really couldn't do this without him. I mean, he and I have been great partners from the get-go. We get along great, and uh, he, we always kind of kiddingly say he's the dough and I'm the nut. So, and I think that's a pretty good, pretty good uh, division of of uh, labor there. And you, how much of your success do you believe is is can you um, attribute to sexual innuendo? Uh, I think some of it. I mean, I I couldn't say, I mean, not, I hope that it's a good product and it's not just a sexy product, but it, I mean, the good things come in pink boxes and, um, you know, uh, the magic is in the hole. Uh, wait, you can, wait a minute. What? You can take those, you can take those any way you, you want. I mean, what, I'm learning something. What is, in, ma- here. What, what is kind of, in, has been embarrassing in the past is when you're selling merchandise like a t-shirt which has either the magic's in the hole and we have some that say good things are coming and good things come in pink boxes and like a father is buying it for his 14 year old daughter and stuff like that and sometimes it's like you know what you're doing here but that's not for me to say well Here's the thing. Uh, Good I, things do gonna, come in ping boxes. They're jump donuts. in here, and you've right. got two daughters, and I'm sure they're not wearing this. But I've always had a big problem. Here, uh, I, I've always wondered. I don't have a big. I have a problem with it. If I had daughters, I wouldn't right. allow the the pink on the little terry cloth shorts on the back right. of a 14 year old's ass is a problem for me. Well, that's I, you know, again, everything in moderation. And I, what you do with your hot pants when you buy them is up to you. I hope that you're responsible. Well, yeah, but the parents are buying them or allowing. Right. It, so yeah, I've always I'm, had a. I think there, there's a fair amount of naivety. Like it sounds like th- this father you're talking about buying it first. He, he's thinking, right. yes, good things right. do come in pink boxes. <laughs> they, <laughs> and and they, they are do. these do- donuts. They absolutely. I, do. Well, if he's that naive, right. Yeah, some, somebody, a good friend needs to go to that father and just be like, hey, buddy. Right. So I hope that we have- Go a- to Urban Dictionary and it'll take care of it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so then uh, you said 13 years, so 2003. 2003, we opened uh, May 30th. And describe what that first couple of months was like for you. Um, It was pretty crazy. Cat Daddy and I, um, we were working like 18, 19 hour days, more 20 hour days. Um, we weren't open 24 hours yet. We were only open from 10 p.m. to 10 a.m., which got us a lot of press. That was so Portland. And everybody was very um, like, what do you mean 10 p.m. to 10 a.m.? But, you know, you got to be there early to make the donuts. Time to make the donuts. They take four or five hours to make. So you got to be there at, you know, three to kind of get things going. And then for us, I mean, where we're located with all the bars down there, it made perfect sense to be open at 10 p.m. because that's when people were downtown where we were. And then you want to get the morning crowd at, you know, 6 a.m., you know, before 9 a.m., the big pink building. We would often just stare at the big pink building and just go, if we could only get 8% of everybody that walks in there, we'll be trillionaires, you know. And um, and whether or not we've ever got 8% of the people from big pink, I don't know. But so it made perfect sense to us. And um, and then slowly but surely as it kind of rolled along, it's like sometimes we were able to open by 9 p.m. or we stayed open till 11 a.m. And then slowly but surely it kind of became 24 hours mostly because of Anthony Bourdain uh, when he came down on his first season. And that really helped sort of uh, spring the um, the Bacon Maple Bar. But even way before that, the local press, the Oregonian, when they still had <laughs> had actually reporters and things and people that 
kind of liked us. Um, <laughs> Jonathan Richmond was always very, Jonathan Richmond, Jonathan uh, Nicholas was very um, pretty kind to us over the years. And he knew me from the x-ray days and things. But uh, we landed the uh, women's amateur um, golf tournament out at Pumpkin Ridge because I've got a buddy out there. So for us, it was like, oh, my God, 30 dozen a day from Wednesday. And it was just huge order for us. And we got written up pretty, you know, this was a couple of months in. And uh, Jonathan Nicholas kind of wrote about that. Sugar-coated club kids, Tracing, landing this, you know, Pumpkin Ridge deal. And we kind of stuck that. And then... Uh, Were you? Did you have the repertoire that you have now? No, no, not... I mean, I don't think the Bacon Maple Bar even was quite existent yet. But we, you know, we had a lot of the good old good old donuts that we still make in there for sure. And um, we nailed that. And then the, the Oregonian also did... A, what's what's the thing when you write a poem in, in the shape of something like that E.E. E. Cummings style? That's the best description. But, <laughs> See, that's my my fifth grader. She's but yeah, into e, the poetry the e. E. unit Cummings right now. Thing, but, they, but the Oregonian did a thing that was the shape of a donut, the whole article, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. all the words. And right. it was basically about us making a NyQuil donut, a Pepto-Bismol donut, and these crazy hours and blah, blah, blah. And that was the front page of the living section. And so that happened, you know, a couple, three months into it. And then... Uh, Jay Leno uh, made, mentioned a joke about us like in January of that year, maybe a little bit earlier uh, about because we had a caffeinated donut. So we made some joke about like there's a he didn't say voodoo, but he said something about like, hey, you could get your heart. So were you developing along these with recipes donut. in these donuts with the, P, the thought of PR in your mind or were you no. actually thinking they would taste good? They would taste good. Yeah. I mean, we make great donuts. I mean, they're not just all wackadoodle donuts. We make glazed donuts, cruelers, old fashions, buttermilk bars, plain cake donuts. I mean, they're all just basically the, the base of them good are, classic are donuts. good donuts, are yeah. classic donuts. Yeah. And then we sort of turned the industry a little bit on its ear by putting crazy and wacky things on them, such as cereal and powders. And writing that things. A, was that at the get-go? Because I'm sorry, I didn't get here until so okay. um, 2005. It, I don't remember the first time. Yeah, I, I mean, we you. had like the Tang Fastic, and like we put Tang on donuts right away. It probably took us like a week or two weeks um, to put cereal on them, maybe. Um, and uh, it was mostly just kind of. I mean, everybody asked like, "Why did you do it?" And a lot of it was just being plain, just bone tired. Well, how marijuana might have had a little to do with it, <laughs> but also just really tired and like when we would work these days and we'd have to go shop at cash and carry so cat daddy and i would be pushing around this huge cart and we would load up all of our things <laughs> and we'd be like and we'd aisle. be going through the cereal and it's like well why not get some captain <laughs> crunch and we'll throw it on there and then like get some cocoa puffs and hey we'll dip it in chocolate and put and we'll call it the triple chocolate penetration and we laugh about that another sexual this was, window this was pretty fun it was great. Oh, dude, it's the best job I've ever had in my I, life. What percentage of your day were you spending cracking up and laughing at? Um, a lot of it. I mean, we, <laughs> I mean, Cat Daddy and I crack each other up all the time, and we were definitely having a good time. It's a hard work, though. Anybody that wants to start a donut shop, knock yourself out. It's complicated. It's hard. It is an aging industry. Um, and at that time, there were no donut shops in downtown Portland. There was still only, like, I think Winchell's was just about to go under. There was Sesame Donut and, of course, Annie's Donuts and things, but... We were kind of this new, I think there's seven donut shops in downtown Portland alone these days. Um, And uh, we just sort of had fun with it. And, you know, and we learned how to make donuts in Los Angeles and Pico Rivera in like three days. And we learned from these old guys. They probably had 150 years of experience between them. And uh, we went and made donuts in, you know, L.A. And then we had all these donuts in the car afterwards. So we gave one to Brad Pitt. We saw him and. We went to Chick Hearn's wake because <laughs> he had died, and we went to the Staples Center, and we had all these donuts, and we we got on Japanese television. Have you have you thought about like writing this down? This because this is like a perfect movie. Oh, to I've me. got it all. It's, it's like we got to go. Fear and yeah, loathing yeah. and lots. You know. Oh, I mean, it's, it's like definitely a, a story. I mean, it's. I mean, and, and then we had to start you know, turning down you know reality television shows and all of that. You know who too. could play you too, but he's Bob Denver. Too old. No. <laughs> I've always thought, but he's a little. I think he no, might. No, you there. know who would have been good? He's too old now, but you'd have to make him a little younger. Guess. David Lee Roth would. Be oh, I love. David, I mean, oh God, I love David Lee Roth. I've always thank you. Somebody called me the David Lee Roth of Portland one time, and I took that as a huge yeah, honor. Yeah, no, I'm seeing that right now in your yes, in your delivery and right. yeah. your your look. He could you play. should see my. You uh, just need to shave all your the, hair off. The, the live karaoke band that's playing tonight. Shameless plug. Monday nights at Dante's for the last 14 years, but I host and sing, and I, we do Van Halen songs. So You've done, you some, done some Van Halen. Probably I, better than Dave's doing it now. Right? I'm I'm curious to know because for for me, and you mentioned the Anthony Bourdain episode, and mm-hmm. I think that's where the where the nation was introduced to the maple bacon or the bacon, the bacon maple, maple bar. bar. Mm-hmm. 
Is that a voodoo donut, or did you guys really just bring it to the forefront? Where did, where did that come if from? If somebody can show it, it before it was, print, right. before then, I'll eat my hat. I mean, right. no one, is, as far as I can tell, has ever it's like put... like a tasty hat. You've has probably ever put, put that yeah, on know, a donut, yeah, too. Put, well, once you glaze them, once they're hot <laughs> yeah, and out sure. of the fryer and glaze them, they're not <laughs> yeah, bad. that's good. But, I mean, the bacon maple bar, that is something that we came up with. Um, yeah. I, we didn't copy anybody. I'd never seen it before. We always had something, and we wanted to make a savory donut. And uh, we still, you know, we had big big plans and big eyes when we opened. It's like, we'll go to Sovie Island in June and pick berries and we'll make our own chocolate. And, and you just can't. I mean, when right. we got going and got busy, you, we just didn't have the room, the time, the energy, I mean, everything. So something that is simple like bacon uh, and that we can then tear a strip in half and sit it on, you know, and we had some discussion whether it goes horizontal or vertical and right. we decided, you know, vertical looked better than horizontal and some little stuff like that. But that kind of took off the bacon maple bar, and then Anthony Bourdain did a show, and he also came back to the shop, and we were closed on Sundays back yeah. then. And he's like, "I can't get my." That was bacon the way the episode bar. ended, right? Yeah, that I gotta say it because I was, you know, I've I've done radio in a couple of different markets, and I remember seeing that episode going in the next day to work, and I just said, "You will not believe what I saw on TV is that they've because I love maple bars and I love bacon." Right. And I, you know, I'm like, there's a place in Oregon, they put bacon on a maple bar. So we had the discussion on the air. So then we sent out, we had interns to go get bacon and maple bars and so that we could do it. And it was like, it was like life transforming and not Did nearly as anything good as, to do with you moving to this area. My, my, maybe subconsciously. Yeah. Well, and the, well, and the other thing to finish that Jay Leno joke. So he, that joke went out on the wire, which I still kind of think it's some ticker tape ticker thing tape, somewhere. Yeah. yeah it's like, yeah. you know, and, but that went out on the wire. And what that opened up were all of the uh, DJ morning shows calling us uh, at, you know, four o'clock in the morning, our time. Yeah. And, you know, the Buffaloes and the Tampa Bays and all this stuff. So Cat Daddy and I, for a couple of weeks, we, you know, it's like you've got, you know, these three-minute calls with these, you know, the, hey, hey, you know, I, you can do it barely better than I can, but the morning jocks right. and talking about the donuts. And I, I wonder, like, how many people heard those things because we've always been a very word-of-mouth place. And looking back, I mean, then Portland kind of got popular with, you know, the New York Times falling in love with us. Yeah. And uh, there you go. I mean, oh, is there I, one in that box right there? There's a maple. Bear, oh. yeah. There you go. I smelled it as soon as he started talking about it. I... There's an old dirty bastard. There's the official donut of Portland, Oregon, the Portland cream staring you yeah. in the face with which, the vision. Which, oh, that's what that is? With the one with the eyeballs because Portland has vision and as Boston does not. So we immediately put two eyeballs on what was always known as a Boston cream and we immediately penned it the Portland cream. Well, very nice. And then Tom Potter called it the official donut of Portland, Oregon, which it definitely is. Yeah. So, so, um, let's, I want to talk about that a little bit, your, your customer base. And lately there was a there was an article that hit, is it Willamette Week? Uh, which, which one are well, you referring to? Well, there was an article <laughs> about the guy saying that let's stop, let's stop slamming voodoo donuts. Yeah, I don't know if that was in Willamette Week as much as his own deal, but, but Willamette Week covered it. They the, picked yeah, it up. In, yes, yeah, in defense of voodoo donuts. Right. So that was very interesting, but, um... Yeah, I, I think the conventional wisdom, and and I may be wrong, but the con, the, the the what that article was addressing was something that was probably in my head too, which is Voodoo Donut has now become the place for tourists and not so much for Portlanders. And well, I'm you can sure always you, go to Voodoo too. And there's parking, and that's why we opened up a second location that's, that's right. a mile away. And that's and, where I we take yeah. my family when they come to <laughs> and town. And families go there yeah. all the time, yeah. and you don't. And there sometimes is a line, but people like to go to the Golden Calf downtown. And if you pick your spots and you go at seven, I went by today. I was at work at nine a.m. and there was three people in line. So I, you're absolutely right that we do have a huge line. Um, but, you know, we didn't open up the shop to say, like, let's cater to tourists, you know. I mean, we're between a, you know, a topless, bottomless bar and a <laughs> porno theater. And uh, it's not really probably still the greatest area of town. And yet tourists want to remain in line there. And I don't know why we get chastised for such a thing. We're still are, there. Are it seems like the people that are moaning and groaning about that are people that are new to town. I mean, I've been doing this for 13 years in the same part of Portland um, I used to own an uh, x-ray cafe around the corner in 1990. I booked Burbati's Pan for a decade, or maybe not a decade, but six, seven years, which is my old, the lobby of our old place. I play at Dante's across the street. I mean, I've made my, my living from 2nd and Burnside and 3rd and Burnside since 1990 in some capacity. And uh, I'm still down there, you know, and uh, for people who are giving us or me or whatever that it is some some 
some, you know, grief about that. I, I, I don't really know how to address it <laughs> and other than just like I, I, it's just haters want to hate. Taylor Swift's correct. Right. You know? Well, your and, uh, your your buddy, um, Nate Snell, who was just on this sh- show a while ago, actually just posted to Facebook yesterday, said, you know, you're a success in this town when you have lines and you get complaints on Yelp about it and you don't care. Yeah, well, I mean, and if you do care, I mean, I don't have any sort of, um, I mean, this is just kind of interesting. Oh, no, this is, it doesn't bother you. I, I have a flip I phone. Paraphrase. <laughs> well, I mean, it can bother me, but I don't follow anything because I can't. And I kind of do that on purpose. When I started, started Voodoo Donut and booking bands and things, there wasn't Yelp and there wasn't Facebook and all of these things and all these ways that people talk and complain and communicate with each other now. And so I, it's, I'm kind of oblivious to it, which is great. And it's the whole curve has been awesome because it's been, how can you not have a smartphone and oh my God, and not have email and not have a computer and how do you do such a thing? And now it's all like, I wish I could do that. Good for you. <laughs> it's totally yep. turned the other way around. It's like, I wish I could get just a flip phone. So have you had email and decided you don't want to use it any longer? Um, or, or I've any? got, I have email through the business, right. but that's how, but, I that's how, but you, you have to go through kind of a wall of defense and you need to know some passwords to actually get to me. Right. Um, and that's not because I'm trying to be fussy or anything. It's just, I have no interest and I have a typewriter at home. I write letters. I have a typewriter in my office. Um, I know for a fact that Voodoo Success, if we had just remained totally, you know, a typewriter, cash register thing, we wouldn't be as successful as we are now. I understand. I mean, it was a big, huge day the day we got POS in the store. It's like, oh, why can't we just be back? You know, we only had four buttons and we were blowing through $100 cash registers like they were candy because we were hitting them so much. So then we got POS. But now POS, I can see the benefit in that because now we have five shops. You can link everything up. You can, you know, look back and blah, 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 you know, all the wonderful things <laughs> of technology. But as far as... But that's Cat Daddy's deal. He, uh, well, did he have not, to convince you? Oh, oh, big time. I mean, I've thought about it forever. And then, you know, but I also kind of saw the writing on the wall. And, 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 and now I'm the first person to say, like, ah, oh, that was a great idea. But it, it is sort of sad that I, my strength at Voodoo Donut was always, like, working the counter. I was great at the counter. I was great with the customers, great at explaining the donuts and the history and the lore and all of that. But I can get there now and I can't, I don't know how the POS works. So I really can't really work in the shop, but I I work the lines and I like to talk to customers and I like taking people on tour and unsuspecting people. I just grabbed some people I met on the street who had just, um, they were reggae guys and they were like fish out of water. They They had just come from Ashland bend and sisters and they were trying to figure out where to move to in oregon and i'm like uh probably not sisters guys but maybe and uh <laughs> but i uh they found out i was a, the donut guy took him to the Kit Kat club and then gave him a whole tour of voodoo donut and got him donuts and just kind of I, that's kind of what i like to do now i like to when people are have pink boxes and they're walking around with them which are all over the place i like coming up to people and asking them lots of questions and which they got and what's their favorite and kind of doing sort of a man about town kind of thing without telling them that I own the place. And then quite often I try to like bum a bite or try to get a donut and then sort of see what, cause a lot of people are like, you can't have a donut. What's your, like, yeah, as I say, what's like, your success rate? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's pretty good. And especially when I do finally spill the beans, which sometimes I will, but a lot of times I've had people say, sure, here's a bite. You know, people are friendly for the most part, yeah. not everybody, but it is, it, it depends. It's definitely a Which 50, one would you want thing. the bite of first? Of these that I'm staring at? No, no, oh. just pure, all your donuts. What, which uh, is the, my favorite? One last bite. To my have. favorite's probably the buttermilk bar, and slowly but surely, that blueberry donut's doing really well too. And those are both very basic. Uh, they're you know, we're, we're affectionately you know we're from bucket to bag or whatever you want to call it. Um, and uh, but those aren't those don't, they don't have crazy ingredients in them or any weird toppings. It's just an old fashioned buttermilk bar, and they're awesome. They taste delicious, and the blueberry donuts wonderful and. You can take a blueberry donut, take it home, slice it in half, toast it, and put butter on it. That'll get mm. you. That'll, well, that, a, that'll get a you. Recipe for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's not a. That's not a bad idea. So, so. do you have like or, Oregon blackberries or anything like that? No, are you, it's are just you a, sourcing locally. Or you, no, no, not yeah. no, there's no sourcing locally at all because we are a high volume shop. So if we're sourcing locally, we're not a organic shop. We're a, as I say, bucket to bag. I know that people out there just hate the rippings of bags and the opening of buckets, but that's how donut shops used to be. We didn't want to, we're not a gourmet donut shop and uh, we never have been. We've never made any 
any qualms or bones to say that we were. I mean, and we're and and my point was when I got into a discussion about this this article we were talking about, uh-huh. I said, look, whatever you want to say about it, there it's popular, it's successful, it it's whether it's the taste or the marketing, there are people who love it. Right. So and, and donuts, I mean, I, I keep saying it, and I've been saying it from the get-go. It really is just fried dough. I, I'm, I'm blown away that there's such... I mean, number one, I, I, I get up every single day, I put my feet on the ground. I'm I'm a lucky, lucky dude, and I get that. And uh, Cat Daddy and I usually hug at the end of every day, and even if it's a crappy day, it's still like, this is the best job we've ever had. Um, a lot of people don't want to go into business with their friend. Um, I wouldn't suggest it, but it worked um, with us. And I try not to question it too much. You know, I try not to figure out exactly, you know, why did this happen? And it, I get, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be here. I, I'll, I'll, I get, I'll ask these questions. That's my job is to answer them the best I can. But I really don't understand, like, there's such this, I kind of underestimated donuts. I remember, like, the third day when we were open and this guy ate one of our apple fritters and dropped to his knees and said it was the best apple fritter ever had. And right at that moment, that was when I was like, wow, people are really fanatical about donuts. I'm like, I didn't, we didn't open the business kind of knowing that. That just sort of occurred while we were doing it on the, on the fly, you know. And when a guy drops to his knees after eating an apple fritter, proclaiming it to be the best apple fritter he's ever eaten in his life, I'm like, Okay, man, and helped him up and gave him another one. <laughs> I'm, you not know? That, I'm not quite that passionate about well, it, but, but if you... <laughs> well, but people are, you know, and that's, I mean, this whole, you know, in defense of voodoo and things, I, I mean, it sort of blows me. I, 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 there's some, a friend of mine, uh, J. Boss Rubin, who, who worked for us, and he was the one who taught Swahili at the shop, and so he's, he was one of, he was our first employee, but he's a, he wrote a very nice um, little, you know, whatever retort to all of this as well and i don't know where to find it but he read it to me and the thing that just it's he's a great writer so it was all very eloquent but he i just really like what he said something about like donuts aren't really supposed to be good <laughs> like they've always been kind of crappy um just in general most people got stale donuts most donut shops the one thing that will drive cat daddy and i completely bonkers is when people say they got a stale donut because it's it's impossible at Vuni donut we make Donuts three times a day. So we don't have a donut that was made at 6 a.m. and you're getting it at 6 p.m. What could happen is you got a donut at a party two days earlier. You might have got one. The cereal can go stale on the donut. Yes, that happens. And that's about it. But we we filter our grease every single time. We make donuts three times a day, seven days a week for 360. We close four days a year. So when I hear that the donuts are stale and old and they're terrible, that's untrue. It's interesting you say that because we, actually in the, the building we're at right now, Trace, is uh, Alpha Media. And a few years ago when we started ex- to expand into different markets, we thought, you know what, there's these new markets come online. Let's give them a, a piece of Portland. And part of that was sending them voodoo donuts mm-hmm. in the mail. And we right. tried to get it there as quickly as we possible. We never ship donuts. Yeah, you never ship donuts. And we found out very quickly Why? we needed to stop. Yeah, because the donut, there's like, what's so great? They about look these? Like, like a dirty diaper. When right. You open so them. We, we stopped and uh, and we apologize. Thank you. <laughs> I see. I saw someone carrying one off the plane in Austin, Texas, a pink box. Yeah. Oh, they're all anyway, over. The, so, they're yeah. all over. We've got there. a location at the airport now, right? No, nope. well, you we don't just, have an airport. Don't. What did I think you, you just because you, you see them in airports everywhere you go. That's probably what it is. Every time I fly out of PDX, everybody's got a box. There must. I'm like, there must be a place here, but there's not. So I just wanted to give you, you and I discussed this ahead of time, um, uh, an opportunity we had uh, your buddy Micah Camden on a couple of weeks ago. Mika. Is it Mika? Mika. Oh, I don't know. Oh, gee, someone said that to me and I never, I thought it was Micah, but anyway, he'll, cor- he didn't never corrected us if, if, uh, if that was the case. But, um, you know, his donuts are quite a bit more expensive. They're a little different. They're a different. They're a different type don- of donut. Different Absolutely. type of donut. And then we had Nate. That was kind of why we asked you on. We've had, we thought, let's do the trifecta. We actually have Jose from 180 coming in, and I wasn't thinking of him. Doing a different kind of doing a different kind of thing. fried something. But so, um, you know, I'm going to guess you're doing well. You don't care what anybody says or, or, or that they're that they exist. You know, when, you're happy. Is it good that what, there's all this donut discussion? What we've always said, and you can go back to any of our quotes from way back when. Cat Daddy and I always have said that with competition, you know, make said we have to step our game up. Make sure we're continuing to put out a good product. Number two, it increases donut awareness. And donut awareness can only help us because what will always eventually happen, 
a daily or somebody will have a donut blind taste test to see which is the best donut or something along those lines. And so all of that, you just kind of play into it and you continue to do your deal. Um, we always, I mean, with, with Pips opening, I mean, Coco's is open, Double D's open, Ternales is open. Um, uh, geez, there's another one. Blue Star's open. I mean, there's, 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 there's like seven donut shops since we've opened. Um, there's been donut shops. I, I'd love to know the numbers since we've opened that have just opened in like the United States of America. I mean, the donut industry was a dying industry until we opened. Whether or not it would have turned around without us, I have no idea. But we talked to our well, suppliers. Krispy Kreme, but look, that's hard to say. A few okay. years ago, was doing really well, and then they had well, they were cooking the books. It's right when we opened. Our first press, we actually got before we were open. They were handing out Krispy Kremes in Pioneer Square. And we went out with a very simple sign that said, support your local donut. And we got on the news for that. And, um, and Krispy Kreme, you know, they were supposed to open up five in the metropolitan region. They opened up two. Um, they screwed. They were supposed to have the old um, Waddles, which is now a Hooters, which was supposed to be a Krispy Kreme, which was terrible that they were able to wrangle that out of, uh, out of Waddles. And... Um, and, and right when we opened, their stock plummeted like they were they were almost junk bonds. And um, and they, they've kind of turned it around and they're doing their deal. And again, they're different types of donuts, too. They're made with a machine, a robot. They're delicious coming off the belt. Again, a they shoe. Are. They're delicious. But the next day or the next hour or something when they're cold, they just sort of cold. They're gross. They're not. I mean, they're no, those to me. Are, those are you have to eat those within you five get, minutes. Yeah, right. When you get them warm. And they're delicious. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the but, sign's on. But they don't make you know, crazy donuts and toppings. Again, it's a different type of donut. It's a different, you know. There's- I, I, I definitely think, Trace, that you set a trend because, again, I was in Salt Lake City when, you know, when I experienced my my voodoo, you know, bacon maple bar copycat. And then after that, it seemed like. Well, all Fred these- Myers puts bacon bits right on now, donuts yeah, and stuff. I started yeah. seeing more elaborate. And then I started seeing donut shops popping up that were doing kind of these more wacky Cereal type things, and, and it, it has to have come from. Well, I remember <laughs> one of the one of the times again when we were just in our little lobby. Um, I remember pretty early on, like a, people would come in, and you always they're either really big donut fans or they're they're watching. And one, if, we, if they order like a glazed donut and a plain cake donut, and that's it, and they kind of eat them and they kind of see how they are. There's that type of person that you kind of look at, and you're like, what what's are they up to? And then there's also the people, and I watched this happen, who bought one of every single one and then took pictures of them in their car and went off into the world and probably opened up some donut shop in California, you know? I mean, and, mm. and what do you do about that? I mean, it's like, it's, we can't, we just got to continue doing what we do. And I think that's what we do. I mean, we definitely, my hackles get raised a little bit. I'm a human being, but uh, I don't, I don't, the stale thing drives us crazy. Um, cause I, that just isn't true, but dude, they're donuts, man. And, and donuts aren't supposed to necessarily be this amazingly perfect food. <laughs> it's always been a pretty proletariat type food, you know, and it's cheap and we still have one that's under a dollar. We started at our cheapest donut was 85 cents when we started and everybody in the industry said, that's insane. You should charge 55 cents. You'll never get anybody to charge 85, pay 85 cents. What's a dozen? Um, a dozen now depends on what kind, but a, a, a voodoo dozen's fifteen bucks, I believe now, and they, it's, I think they were thirteen maybe at some point. Um, and a voodoo dozen's ones that we pick. You don't get a bacon maple bar and stuff. If you pick them, then they change. You can get a plain. I mean, there's so many different varieties, so it's kind of hard to say what the deal is. But fifteen bucks for a voodoo dozen, and you get thirteen of them, and you. You get a lot of the you, you get a little choice too. yeah well and you get a little of the classic and you get a little crazy and that's that's kind of the deal. And so yours your uh, is there are there any that you don't like but that other people seem to like? You know I, I still when I was making donuts I probably ate a donut a day. Um, I now eat a donut a week probably. We just came up for National Donut Day. We came up with a new donut called uh, the viscous hibiscus donut and it's a hibiscus dipped in hibiscus tea donut. I haven't actually even, That's very cool. I haven't had a lot of those yet, but I tasted it. It's good. Um, but there are donuts that I haven't even tried because <laughs> I just know that a grape ape just hurts my teeth saying it, you know? Um, <laughs> so and I know not, that I know what it's going to taste every, like. You're not involved with every single donut. You're at, how many? Well, yeah, pretty much. I mean, we, we definitely let the workers, I mean, Cat Daddy and I came up with this wonderful, you know, the first how many, 60 or 70 of them or something. And then, We've definitely had workers that have come up and said, hey, here's a mango tango, and hey, well, why don't we do this and put peanut butter on it? And then we always kind of come up with the names, and 
stuff. But there's definitely, you know, the 20-year anniversary with all the old workers who are all going to argue about who came up with what's going to be hilarious. But we also just don't want to let our employees just kind of make up a new donut every day because just to keep consistency. And we already have a hundred ish choices. Um, and we try to re, you know, try to let the, the, the cock and balls donut kind of be the social commentary. If, if you want to get artistic and what, where I, I think a lot of our oh, quite artistic, right. right. Big that's, time. that's high art. And we let, and we let people, well, cause you can put a message on it that can get right to the point. Oh, and you then, can, you can have it, you can have it customized, right? Oh yeah, oh, absolutely. Well, yeah. There you go. That's something I didn't know. And you, um, I mean, we do our, um, like our celebrity, um, when, you know, we kind of, we honor death. So we have like all of those. You know, there was a great Muhammad Ali donut over the weekend. I, I saw your Prince donut. Prince donut. Yep. I mean, all, all of that stuff. I mean, we got a big, you know, shit storm about the, you know, gorilla. We made a gorilla donut, the gorilla who got shot in Cincinnati, and we made one of those. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say. People are ticked about that, and it's like, why didn't you make one for the kid? And it's like, the kid didn't die, you know? Ooh. So. I'm, and, I don't want to go there. <laughs> well, I just, we honor death. So whether it's, you know, I mean, it's it's one of those things, and we are a voodoo we do weddings, um, so we do you know all sorts of things at the at the donut shop. Hey, Chris, right now might be a great time for us to take a brief pause and talk about one of our favorite things, that being Chew Dining Club. You know, we're really um, happy that that some businesses have um, taken the trouble and the opportunity to support this podcast because in not only supporting this podcast, they're supporting all the folks yeah. we're showcasing here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're really. It's really a statement on support of the local Portland food scene. So we appreciate it. Chew Dining Club, uh, which is an app you can find on your iPhone or Android. your Android phone, right. which I have, um, is very cool. You, you basically uh, check into some restaurants uh, as part of the program, input your check number, get some credit, and you'll get some goodies as you go. But uh, also keep abreast of some of the cool things going on at some of Portland's coolest restaurants. The, way, the, the best way for me to visualize this is a lot of these uber big national chains have similar reward programs. But, you know, you have to go to those to experience that. This is a way that the Chew Dining Club connects all these Portland local restaurants into a similar concept where you're getting these rewards. And uh, um, it's it's just awesome, it, you know. No, but it's... Uh it's a number of great restaurants. I just went to um, Prem recently. Yeah, Lardo's in there. Mm-hmm. St. Jack. Uh, I went to Oven and Shaker also. Yeah, been doing the pizza rounds lately. Nice. And uh, and so it's a it's a really nicely done app, and we really appreciate the fact that they're supporting the podcast. So it's really simple. Just go download it and get going with it. Get it on iTunes or Google Play. Wherever you get your apps, you'll get the Chew Dining Club app. And download it for free today. So, Trace, was there anything in your friends growing up? Uh, Cat Daddy and I? No, no, or no. just no. my friends. Your friends growing oh, yeah. when you uh-huh. were a kid. And you uh-huh. you spent, uh, some, you're back in Denver now. Uh-huh. You're back, you went to your school years there. Are, would they point and go, yeah, that's what he was meant to do? Or would yeah, they... I d- I've been to some, some class reunions. They all knew I was destined for something. I know they didn't say a donut guy. Because the donut thing happened. I, I Again, I... Well, who I, would say a donut guy? But I mean, it's... Right. Well, something. Yeah, I mean, I've been a, I've been a pretty interesting fellow, I guess. In, in other some words, people's you, you weren't eyes. the bookworm growing. No, growing no, no. I talked in class all the time and got in trouble, and yeah. What I, what, ha- what was the worst trouble you got in in school? Scalping play tickets in second grade. <laughs> of my own, of my own <laughs> play. Second grade. Of <laughs> my own play. How yeah. Much, what how was much the, were the tickets? What was the market? Well, they on were that. supposed to be like five bucks, and I saw I was like I was able to get ten, and uh, <laughs> and I got in a little trouble for that. And that 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 led you to uh, produce some music stuff in Portland. I think that 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 would well, no, because music. I was a very honest person. I wasn't scalping. Oh come uh, on, music and, business. I was. That's what I got out of it because I couldn't. I couldn't do it anymore by being as honest as I was. I never, ever, ever. Yeah, that's why my reputation is intact in Portland, Oregon, because I knew right away if you, you know, you get your reputation one time, you know, you can lose money thousands and thousands of times. Your reputation you can lose once and. I was always straight up. A music business, it drove me crazy because inherently it is crooked. It is just this terrible, crooked business. But I was straight with bands and always have been. And it's always something that as I've become a business person now, um, it is kind of funny to sort of, I still balance the art artist in me all the time. So, so what was the, uh, growing up, how did that artist, you were into music, 
Yeah, I was in a band. I mean, I don't know. Were, I did all you, sorts of crazy stuff and sold stuff door to door. No, no, no. I had braces and glasses, and yeah, I mean, I wasn't that hot. I mean, girls chased me around. I like girls for sure, but um, yeah, I, I, I always got along. I was, I was the guy that cried, you know, the shoulder to cry on, and the I whole time it. I'm trying in the to, friend zone. Yeah, yeah, friend, yeah, friend zone. Yeah. You know that too, Court? I uh, I spend a lot of years in the friend zone. Oh yeah. man, yeah, that's my and that's, that's my okay. Forte. Women are uh, women are great. So I have they've made me who I am today. So good. Are you are you currently in a relationship? I, I married? Am, nope. You... I have re- I've never been married. I don't have any children. I am in a relationship. Um, and uh, I'm friends with pretty much all of my ex girlfriends. I'm my one of my ex girlfriends drums in the karaoke from Hell Band, and she's picking me up at nine thirty tonight. And um, I, yeah, I talk to I talk to them all. So when you go back to, uh, did you just open or are you about to open a shop in Colorado? We've been in Denver now for two and a half years. Oh, I'm sorry. Three sorry for maybe. not being up on that's that. That's okay. Um, it's the, it's there... LA that's getting the new one, yeah? Yeah, Universal Studios on the walk is a, is a new one. And then Austin is our, the one, the, the newest one that just, that opened on, uh, well, it opened on Halloween, I guess, so. Hmm. Oh, okay. So we just then went, when I went saw the pink South box West. down there, that was maybe that came was... from. I could have come from Denver. Could have come from Portland. They come. They're all over the place. No, and, it was in Austin. And... So if you open on Halloween, I was I, I'm just saying these pink boxes are all oh. around the world in airports. And uh, you, you don't have handles on them. You need no. To... You gotta you gotta keep them uh, very very careful. And they're funny. I, I they're funny when they get sent through the you know X ray the X ray and then. You get a wiseacre on the other end saying, you know, there's probably a little over three ounces of cream in one of those. You might want to leave that here and, you know, those kind of things. <laughs> that reminds me, when I was in college and you could not, I went to University of Arizona, you could not get Thomas's English muffins in, in the West Coast. So at the time. It's like Smokey and the Bandit, man. Yeah, it's so, amazing. So we were running late for the airport and then we had uh, like 12 Thomas's English muffins in a, in a bag and they came apart all over the... <laughs> All over the security. It's when they first started security way back then. So sounded like you really were a partier in college yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> bringing, muffin. The, bringing back the English muffin. <laughs> and the, that maybe that <laughs> <explains> Friday <laughs> night in the maybe old that, dorm. Maybe that explains the friend zone. Although yeah. that was when I was in a relationship for a long time. So. And you probably she probably loved English muffins. So you she were just, did. Who doesn't love an English muffin? They're great. I love Thomas's. Yeah, they're crispy butteriness. So what kind of food do you like? Um, I like all sorts of food. I'm not really a foodie. I know there's these, these amazing restaurants in town and stuff. I seem to go to, uh, I go to Le Pigeon. It's probably kind of oh, my okay. to go to deal. Um, and, uh, I how have often a, do you go to Le Pigeon? Oh, once a month, maybe. So are you, um, are you buddies with Gabe? He, yeah, he and I have run into each other. I don't, I wouldn't call us buddies, but yeah, he's, he's one of the fellows that, uh, you know, he's around. I mean, I, I, I went to, you know, I, I went to Old Town Pizza on Saturday and had a wonderful, uh, little mini pizza. Um, I go, uh, you know, I should probably go out and experiment a little bit more, but uh, damn all these lines and all these tourists and all these places, I tell you. My (laughs) God. (laughs) Well, you're pretty skinny. I don't think, you know, so maybe. That's the rock and roll, you know. It's rock and roll. Uh, My girlfriend, um, I love to eat her, sorry, love to eat her cooking. Well, you have. And she's a great, great, uh, so, you know, cook at home, not a lot. but I kind of just sort of eat when I eat, and um, I'm not a big, um, you know, I kind of like junk food, but then I certainly like a good, healthy something as well. I See, so, I'm still amazed by this, the earlier statement that you have but one donut a week. I uh, eat about one donut a week now. Yeah, it's you got to do I, that. Yeah, it's too much. I, I, I was eating too many. I, I, I would have zero control, which is why I don't work at a donut my, shop. My, I'd be eating them every day. My yeah. biggest thing is ice cream. I'm so glad I didn't open up an ice cream shop because I'm not tired of ice cream. But I used to eat ice cream for a living when I was homeless and living in my car. I used to hang out at the Dairy Queen, and I would take people on, and we would have banana split eating contests for 10 or 20 bucks, and I was undefeated. <laughs> is that how you how you tried to get unhomeless? Was, yeah, that was my job. I didn't have, yeah, I was living in my car, and I was siphoning gas, and when we needed beer money or I needed any kind of money at all, I'd hang out at the Dairy Queen. You, so you'd you go were in, the guy you'd... who just talked about your reputation, and now he's telling us you were siphoning gas. Well, that's all right. It was from my old English teacher. He was terrible. So. Oh, there, well, yes. <laughs> So, um, but yeah, when, when so you would, you would hustle people at the, yeah. at the Dairy Queen, yeah, at the Dairy go Queen, go in I, and you'd be like, Hey, well, I bet so, you I could. so you'd walk in and I'd say, Hey, I'll buy you a banana split, which was at that time was at whatever a dollar 29 or something. Yeah. something. And then my, I would buy, pay for my own. So no money out of your pocket. Right. And then I'd go, the minimum was 10 bucks or I tried to get 20 and, uh, 
I'd get a lot of takers. And the person who almost beat me was this girl from Texas. And her entire family was there. And they were rooting her on, going, get him, get him, girl. Get him. And they're slapping on the table. And I beat her by like one bite. And then there was the, I took on a state wrestling champion from my school. And he had just finished his entire, you know, Dairy Queen value meal or whatever. And then he went into the bathroom, promptly threw it up because he was a wrestler. He knew how to make weight. Right. And I was worried. I was like, oh, my God, as he's in there gagging in the bathroom. And then. He came out and he's like wiping his mouth. He's like, I'm ready for you, Trace. I'm like, oh boy, now I've done it. And I just destroyed him. And my my big move was like, I finish mine first and then I finish yours. So I still <laughs> pop into a Dairy Queen. I haven't done it in a long time. Um, Cat Daddy once, I, I did one when I was booking Burbati's at a comedy club. I challenged somebody and it turned into a big deal. And that was kind of my last thing. And Cat Daddy rolled in. This is all before the donut shop. And he's like, I got a hundred bucks on Trace Shannon. <laughs> And uh, somebody took him up on it, and he walked out of there a hundred dollars richer. So. Wow! Have you ever do you have vo- do you have voodoo donut? Contests? We have donut eating contests all the time there. We have the Texas eating challenge that anybody can come in if you eat it under a minute twenty. It's free. You have to pay for it in, in advance, and you get a button that says "I finished it." And then every last first Friday at midnight, we started it when we first opened, and we have a donut contest and. As far as I'm concerned, every shop still does it. I mean, it's one of those things that I don't run it anymore, but um, we, Cat Daddy and I would run that. You get five people and you would get a box in front of you and open it up. And sometimes there'd be one donut, sometimes there'd be 20 donuts, and it would be, you know, there'd be like a five minute uh, thing on it. And then you bring out the scales of justice, which were the things to weigh everything and see who ate the most donuts. We did just get done with our fourth annual mayoral donut eating contest where we invite all of the mayoral candidates. Um, the Friday before the Tuesday election. And we had all the front runners down there, like 13 out of the 16 running. And that's our fourth one. So we've had Sam Adams. We've had Charlie Hales. We've had, well, we didn't have Charlie Hales. He came and left in a big huff because he thought it started at nine, even though we were very specific about 10 and show up around nine. Um, but uh, Tom Potter um, and none of the front runners or winners of the mayoral contest have actually won the oh, donut okay. eating so contest. So it's kind of an indicator if they, but if they win, but it's they're a not going to win. It's a great thing to actually invite all of the candidates and see how they react at like 11 p.m. on 3rd and Burnside. Because sure. Portland is a yeah. 24-hour city and, you know, if they're freaked out. Well, I think that part of Portland's a 24-hour, 24-hour city. Portland's Compared a 24-hour city everywhere, though. If somebody think? gets shot, well, you know, I'm just saying, people don't sleep. Well, yeah, that, you know what I'm saying? That kind of thing's happening. But it's not like happening. New York where you're, you know, it's, there's I don't know. I a make, lot of people in this. I make my way into town like 3 a.m. these days. Yeah, and it's getting and busy. It's, it is. There's yep. some crazy stuff yep. going on. It's not just in the crotch of Portland. It's yep. happening everywhere. Yeah. So. But it is, a, I just think that, you know, you can't just go to bed and be the mayor at 10 p.m. every night and hope that, you know, everything's going to be okay at 8 a.m. No, so. no, 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 no. It's a big, it's no. becoming a big city. No, what do you is. think about the growth of? Um, you know, it's, it's kind of inevitable. It's sort of annoying. Um, it's, Portland's pretty full of themselves and pretty precious right now, it seems like to me. And um, a lot of that is just, you know, it's, it's kind of, again, it's, it's sort of a, it's not just a Portland problem. It's kind of a United States problem. We don't really have a sense of history in our country. Um, we don't really, it, I look at old books in Portland and, and, you know, we had that, what, the 1906 exhibition here, you know, and they built all these just wonderful structures and things and they tore them all down, you know, like 30 years later. Um, so it's nothing new. I mean, you look at how great all the old buildings used to be and we tore them all down and built other ones that were tearing down. And it'll be interesting to see how a lot of these buildings stand up to the test of time in 20 to 30 years, these what we call terrible buildings, are these going to be the new classic buildings or the new classic, you know, retail on the bottom and low-income housing on the top, and that's, you know, is well, that... What did, they, what did they say about the Big Pink before it was... Uh, the Big Pink? I mean, it, it, I mean, it had its... It, people didn't like it because it was tall, and I like mm-hmm. how it just kind of stands alone out there, but wait till somebody builds a building right next yeah, to it that's taller. They're inching closer to it. Yeah, and that's not going to be a special. I love the big pink building because it's a parallelogram and how it's so, like, you know, it's so edgy. It's, the, it's like razor sharp when you look at it at certain times, and it's super cool. But I don't know. I mean, it's it's uh, it's complicated, and I don't really know what the answer is. Um, it's not just tearing down things and building things that don't fit in and developers just kind of winning all of the time, And but it's also not just whining about developers and, Wonder. I mean, move to Pendleton. <laughs> Go, well, you know, Walla Walla's looking better and better to me every day, you know? Well, I've personally, the, the traffic to me has just gotten to the point. When I moved to Portland, it's right. the one thing that I thought was one of the great things. The only thing I didn't like was the drivers. Right. 
But the traffic was always pretty easy, and I don't say that any longer. Well, it's you now, just got to know the shortcuts, and you got to know where to go and at what time to go. And again, what they should try to do is make cities more like 24-hour cities where it isn't such a 9-to-5 deal where you have this majority of the cars on the road between these certain hours of the day. And if you spread it out, and since it's a worldwide global economy now, 3 in the morning doesn't really mean anything anymore. That you know, People are getting up at 3 in the morning to see what the Tokyo stock market's doing, and not just anybody but yeah, i mean but i don't really care are, about what's going on at three in the morning those are tough habits to break well but that's something know? that people should start looking at as opposed to just complaining about it yeah well court i say i have up, up three and i go home around noon so yeah you have I'm, no traffic issues yeah not, exactly. not today so are you ever going to be working on uh do you foresee because it sounds like the perfect marriage made in heaven an edible cannabis donut is that coming down the pipe no. soon um i mean it could um we have trademarked the world the word pothole so it can't be used in any sort of food <laughs> item um and we didn't do that for the cannabis we did that for uh the road everybody was bitching about the potholes and things and so we made a pothole donut which is a bar that's dipped in chocolate then dipped in oreos with a little lane on it and um, it looks like a rough road and then we wanted to give some proceeds from that donut to the city fund for the roads but the city funnily they never got back to us about it we bothered you, them a couple of times about it yeah, and we were willing to, to problem well we when we met how about if every business gave some of the money to help with the I, i'm just amazed at the that potholes are such an issue well, here's <laughs> what i'm going to suggest give it to uh, here i am again suggesting give it to there's a um awesome no there's a there's a group that's trying to ban studded tires and, this, right. and i think that that's the reason we have to repave the roads all the time do well, that do well that. there's that and there's there's all sorts of things. But, I mean, if you go to other countries and you travel, you know that potholes that we have really aren't that big of a deal. And if you go to other countries, oh, and usually here. people take them into their own hands and put clothes and shoes. I went to somewhere where they put <laughs> shoes. shoes. Well, they did, and they put shoes, and people start running over the rubber and the sole, and their potholes solved. I got a closet full of shoes I can start throwing That's in right. some potholes. Yeah, Probably have- get ticketed, though, for littering. I don't know. Well, you can. How, what do you do with your leftovers? Uh, the leftovers, we <laughs> well, we bottles. donate. Well, we donate a lot of them, and then we also we do these things called party buckets, which because we have buckets that have come or frostings and things come in big buckets, and then we put all of the day olds into, or not even day olds, are like quarter day olds or eighth day olds or whatever they are, and my bad at fractions, and um, put all the donuts, and then they're called party buckets, and people come in and buy the party bucket, which are kind of gross by the bottom but again they're still good donuts and they're you know we don't really advertise it they're kind of behind the, the deal but because we'd much rather prefer to sell somebody a fresh, fresh donut. box of donuts but, but the party buckets are great for frat houses and people that are wanting a cheap leftover donut so uh leads well the minimum wage issue we just we've been talking about it a lot on this podcast yeah. how's that going to affect voodoo donut well that's interesting that's a great question um i think right away with what with our benefits and what we pay people we're over the threshold anyway but by cash and just talking here's 15 bucks an hour personally i think it's great it wouldn't hurt us what no one's really talking about is the back end of it and how that affects somebody who's worked for seven years and is making $17 an hour. And now I'm hiring somebody off the street to make $15 an hour. How do I adjust everybody equally? That gets complicated. And number two, when we opened, if it had been 15 bucks an hour, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you guys. I had three employees. I couldn't afford to pay them 15 bucks an hour. And I think there will be a lot of small businesses out there that are going to have that issue. Me, I'd love to totally can pay everybody $15 an hour, but I wouldn't be able, the back end, you know, and it, and I, I, the only I finally heard something on NPR. They were talking about somebody with like a doctorate, you know, and they've gone to school and they've done all this stuff, and they're only making, you know, x you know, twenty two dollars an hour or something. And some Joe Blow is going to come in and make fifteen bucks an hour, and it's like, how do you balance that? And that's the big question, and I don't have the answer to that. I just don't think it's fair for people that have worked for us that are either on salary or making an hourly wage and they've done everything and we give cost of living wages and we review people and we always give way, you know, we give raises. We're great employees. Um, I think if you talk to any of our employees, they would say the same thing. I'm sure everybody'd like to make more money, but it would hamstring us if we did it equally for everybody. We have 200 and some employees, um, you know, globally. And uh, how do you, how do you, how do you make that happen? And those are the questions that I'd like somebody to answer. That was the first thing that Rick, when at Lardo, my friend at Lardo, I mentioned it to him. He mm-hmm. said, 
He said the 15 bucks, that's one thing. It's the guy who's now making yeah. 15 bucks. What do we do? With, how do we do that? That's, and no one's come up with any great plans about that. And I still feel we, I mean, I'm so bad at knowing what we start with now, but we always charged, we always started over minimum wage. And I think now we start at 11 or 10.75 or something, 11. And then if you're with us for 30 days, even it goes up a quarter and over 90 days. So we're, you know, because it, it takes a while to get, shake people out. It takes a long time to train people how to make donuts too. It's not something that you just, training at a counter person's easy, and, but training somebody to make donuts takes years sometimes. And you don't have the, the tip opportunity that some restaurants like we just, Le Pigeon and that are going to no tip policy, you can't just implement yeah. that policy to no. fix your problems. Right. So. And, and, you know, and yeah, we, we can't. I mean, people want to, it's still a, a tip philosophy of, you know, people come in and it's 80, 95 cents for a donut. People are going to throw you a nickel or whatever. And a I, nickel. I don't know what to, yeah, remember those? Yeah. Well, I didn't know people yeah. were throwing that. So have you been uh, around any other donut shops, some of the newer ones? In oh, yeah, all the time. I mean, I can't say I'm popping into every single new donut <laughs> shop. But, like, when I travel, I go to donut shops. I mean, when I travel around the world, I try to find donut shops. Um, you know, I, li- I love going to Annie's Donuts still. I'll go to Annie's Donuts and get a buttermilk bar or a glazed donut, ask what's fresh. Um, I go to Joe's Donuts, you know, out in Sandy. I love I've, that place. That's worth a drive. Yeah, by it's the totally way. great, you know. And, um, they're, you know, I like kind of the old-fashioned type donut shop. I mean, and when we opened the type of donut shop that we did, we wanted to take the best of kind of the old-timey donut shop, but it was kind of a tired model, plastic booths and crappy coffee, but, you know, donuts and somebody in there, you know, one person working all night and selling you the donut and try to just put a twist on it. And I think, I think that we did that. Whose coffee do you sell? Stumptown. Oh, nice. And we in Denver, we have a local one. Um, and in uh, Austin, we they have a, a presence down there now. So we use Stumptown in Austin as well. And they've been great to us from the get-go. And, and we really do just, <laughs> we sell way more donuts than we sell coffee. And we always get asked, why don't you do espresso? And, why, and it's just, we just don't have room. Espresso would take a whole other well, ball game, a whole other employee. You're already complaining. Go, that line would be ridiculous right. if everybody was yeah. like, I want two shots. And yeah. Yeah. I, want, <laughs> I want it the way Sarah has it. And right. It's be, complicated. So. It's. But we're happy. We're still happy to be down there. And again, we did beer bongs on our on our uh, birthday anniversary, which we've been doing every May thirtieth. And uh, we're still there. We're still the same. You know, I guess. Do you ever every- anticipate needing to, any possibility of moving? Like you need more space. A better well, we are. We went from seven hundred and fifty square feet to like twenty two hundred square feet down there by getting into some of where Burbadis was, and um, without really changing up Burbati's, which is now the Kit Kat Club. And that gave us much needed space because we really were just packed. Um, you know, there's nothing. I mean, if <laughs> if people are so unhappy with us in downtown Portland, I'd love to see what would happen if we moved it to Vancouver and see, you know, oh, no, let's yeah. go with that. <laughs> that would that'd be an interesting thing. That would be a good It'd example. be fun. Fools. For me, your yeah. location is the complete, it's part of the complete voodoo experience. Well, it's, it's part of Portland. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, part of, it's part of Portland is what people say. Yeah. And I'm, you know, and I'm, I refuse to apologize to, that it's become a, tourist place but i like to just say i'm sorry that it became a yeah. tourist but place, even but even voodoo too i remember the first time i walked in there because i'm you know i i've been known to frequent fast food joints so i was sitting there trying to figure out exactly what the fast food place was it was before it was voodoo and i think my guess was arctic circle it was and before that it was called yes! and before that it was called herfie's okay. which was a which was a place that you could get your own ketchup and condiments and use as much as you wanted yeah. and, and tomato not just ketchup but oh, tomatoes and lettuce and stuff but um, but there was Herfies and then the Arctic Circle for years. Yeah. So what do you want for yourself in twenty years? Um, a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the freedom to sort of travel to either other places and perhaps put donut shops there, or maybe something even crazier. You want to be working in twenty years? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I I like doing something. I'm a pretty I, I mean, I have no problems relaxing. I think everybody thinks I'm always running around and doing something, and I have no problem sitting down and reading a Vanity Fair and petting my dog and uh, partaking in, you know, Paps Blue Ribbons and things. But um, Do you watch much TV? I watch a fair amount of TV. I like to, I don't think TV is evil. I, I watch sports. Uh, sports was something that saved me as a kid. And sport, I know a lot about sports. It's prevented me from being beat up numerous times. And um, But I watch sports and I watch like, you know, I got my programs, my stories on Sunday night. I like to watch House of Lies and Veep and Silicon Valley and I do, but I I don't have Netflix because I don't have a computer. I don't have any of that stuff. So I just basically 
am overcharged for cable, but I'm happy with it. So, but I like, yeah, I like watching TV. I hope we have free cable for you in tw- in 20 years. If that would be great. Well, something I, I'm sure there's something that I can probably get to something and blah blah. I mean, I do have like some kind of router that sits there and mocks me at my house. <laughs> I don't even really know what it does. I got to order that mocking router. I yeah. think yeah. that'd make it fun. Right. So, All right. Well, listen. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. So it was much. a pleasure to to be on your uh, podcast here, and uh, I I hope you got everything you needed to, to have. Oh, so. we didn't need anything. We just okay. needed you to come on and and Fantastic. talk and be yourself. And uh, well, I hope that hear what you I have hope to that's, say. I provided that. So, I, I, do you think you did? I think you did. I think I did a really nice job. Good. I'd we, give myself a solid ninety-two percent. Well, Good. I'd give you a ninety-three. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. I'm gonna. I have to. You got to have some donuts. Yeah, You're going to exactly. wait until... <laughs> well, I'm gonna, then the judgment's out. I'm glad I, that we brought you some product. Yeah. Good. I forgot to tell you, if you're going to bring one, I'm a French crawler guy. Oh, so I like those. I hope there's one in there. I didn't, I didn't pack the box. French, I grabbed it French and ran. French crawlers are my favorite. They're and great. I can't eat as many. I got a little warning from the doctor. Well, we call them crawlers because they're like motley crew or like the French crawler. But they are crawlers, crawlers. They're a very complicated, interesting donut too. Very, 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 they're they're delicate. Yes, I like. So thanks. Th- you're not delicate. That much we can. That oh, much good. I can tell you after, after spending an hour with you. Well, thank and, you very uh, much. Thanks so much for coming down. Appreciate Peace. It. Right at the fork is brought to you by Zupans, unsurpassed quality. From the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupans and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers as well as local chefs know that Zupans is the place to find the very best Northwest Bounty in Portland, West Burnside, Southwest McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years, Zupans Markets. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at foodpodcastpdx or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right